Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to today's Mount Westwire Football Podcast Week 8 Preview Show. MWR.com, that's where you find us each and every day. Thank you for... Thousands of people checking out every day. We're having a nice little surge of people either liking or maybe hate liking our stuff. Matt Kennerly along the side, as always, as we talk about the – Matt, there's five games, double-digit favorites. Week eight. Yeah, week eight and five double-digit favorites. How does that it's, happen? I mean, is it going to be as exciting as it was last weekend, despite all the double-digit lines? I hope so. I like good, I like fun football, right? Don't you? We will, we will certainly keep our fingers crossed. We have. This is the first week all year. I tell me if I'm wrong, but I think I'm correct. That every game is a conference game. Uh, I think is so. it? Yeah, I think it is. Six games, twelve mat, twelve teams, two games Friday night. So we have, a, we have dueling Friday night games on ESPN2 and CBS Sports Network. Well, dueling only if you're committed to one screen at a time. Why is college football fans know to have the laptop and the tablet and the television on three different games? And maybe the phone, too. And maybe the phone. Probably got, the phone. Hey, I got a Galaxy Note. That gives me a little extra inch to watch some football. There you go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, don't limit yourself, folks. We'll just, we'll just get right to it because we need to make this a quicker podcast. Colorado State at Boise State. ESPN 2, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. East Coast, whatever it is in Hawaii. The current line right now, Boise State, is this right, Matt? 23 and a half point road favorite, or home favorite, excuse me, home favorite? That is correct. Remember what happened last year? Colorado State blew a big 28-3 lead, lost in overtime. Well, how could we forget? Boise State fans won't let anybody forget about that. I think that's not going to happen again, right? Probably not. Because the Rams are going to win outright. No. Sorry. <laughs> that's cold. <laughs> no, that's sorry, sorry guys. That's a uh, that's not going to happen. Um, oh, that's that's kind of funny. I pulled out there. All right. So this game, CSU Boise State. Um, the Rams have not beaten Boise State since they joined the Mountain West. They have never won on the blue turf. However, I think the twenty-three points is a bit high because Rams' offense, as we know, is pretty good. And Boise State's kind of been struggling a little bit for the, per their standards. Yeah, I mean, I think the struggle mostly comes down to turnovers. And special teams. And special teams, yeah. I mean, I think the special teams has been hit or miss, but I think what, I, what I'm curious about is, you know, kind of what I've been curious about the last couple of weeks is which Brett Rippon is going to show up. Yeah, because if he can return to form, then this game's going to probably be over by the by halftime, I would say. But in the last couple of weeks now, he's thrown five interceptions. And even though they were able to, you know, survive against Nevada, you know, despite some overcome, you know, some fairly tough odds, I would say, um, you know, he, I think he is basically the key that makes this offense go, which might seem kind of obvious, but we've seen Colorado state's secondary struggle off and on there. They aren't an especially good pass defense. And, you know, I think it's, 
I think that's kind of where you have to start thinking about this matchup because there's multiple things that I could keep an eye on that could swing this game one way or the other because we talk about you know Rams defense for the most part they've been bad but and this is kind of a huge but maybe they've shown signs of life in the last couple of weeks they have they played a bit better right and the only reason I point that out is because you know while on the season you know they're still kind of lagging uh, near the cellar as far as tackles for loss in the past two weeks, they have picked it up a little bit. And, you know, they had, I believe it was eight tackles for loss against San Jose State in their win. And they had nine more in the win against New Mexico a week ago. And they were able to hold what had been, you know, an offense that looked like it was taking a step forward pretty much in check the entire game. So I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, if they can continue taking that step forward, if they can continue to bottle up Alexander Madison, because, you know, he has kind of scuffled off and on. I know that the Boise State's had a lot of angst about their offensive line issues. That's going to be really interesting to watch, especially with, uh, I believe, two new starters on depth chart on the right hand, on the right side of the line. Um, you know, if those new guys can hold up against a front four that has looked revitalized in the last couple of weeks, the Boise State's going to have a chance, but or maybe not a chance, but they'll, they'll have a pretty, <laughs> a pretty good opportunity to put this way this game away early. But if they can't, and if Boise State can, or excuse me, if Colorado State can hold on to most of its gains from the last couple of weeks, that's when things are going to get interesting. We'll see, because look at Madison; he's only had one hundred-yard game all year, and that was against UConn. Yeah, he's had uh, under seventy yards in every other game, or fewer mm-hmm. than seventy yards, three just over three yards a carry, almost four, three eight five. So they need that to get going. I, th- I think I'm going to go on a limb. It may not be a it's probably a strong limb, easy hundred yards for Madison. I think is going to be in the works because when you look what the Rams' defense, even though they've been like said, like you said, they've been playing a little bit better throughout the past couple weeks. That's why they're I think a small chance to make a bowl game. However, they're still giving up. I'm trying to look at in October games, but they are still at the bottom of the conference in like five yards per play given up. But only 130 the past two games. I know it's San Jose State in New Mexico, but 1.4 yards per carry San Jose State and 3.8 versus New Mexico, which is about half of their that dropped significantly their average per game. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and think about it this way. You know, when you look at how they've defended against the run, and especially last week against New Mexico, you know, they just finished, you know, basically containing Tyrone Owens and Zanier Schuler. Between the two of them, they had a success rate that was under 30% running the football. And Madison himself, in last week's win against Nevada, he only had a success rate of 29%. So I think that there's an opportunity there. And what I think it's going to come down to is, you know, if Brett Rippon can get back to what he was doing in September, they're still going to win pretty comfortably. And if they set up Colorado State to succeed by losing the turnover battle again, that is when the Rams are going to be primed for an upset opportunity. So what's your prediction here? I think that 23 and a half is maybe a touch too high. I, I don't know if the Rams have the offensive consistency to take advantage of those, you know, those potential mistakes, if only because, you know, when you look at what they've done as far as finishing drives, you know, they're still 
struggling quite a bit in that regard. I'm trying to pull up the number right now and the tab is being super slow to load. So actually they're really bad at that. Um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're next to last on offense and average starting field position. And they're 96th nationally in points per trip inside the 40. So I think if they do manage to get those opportunities, if they can take advantage of Brett Rippon potential mistakes, they might have a shot. Still kind of a big if, in my opinion. And I think that that inconsistency is going to ultimately cost them. So while I would probably take the Rams to cover 23 and a half, I do think that the Broncos will win this one pretty comfortably. So uh, I'm going to say 31 to 17. I'm going to go 40 to 20 Boise State. And I should probably throw this out there too. S&P Plus, by the way, has a uh, Boise 40, Colorado State 19. Right. So you're actually, you're actually pretty close. Hey, team rankings, 40.8 to 20.3. All right. However, number fire super quick, 48.7 to 19.9. But I, but I think you're right. 23 and a half. Like, CSU's offense is good enough to move the ball against this team. And so they'll score some points. just won't be enough. And yeah. it'll be a game where it'll be over kind of early. But Rams will maybe score some points late a little bit just because. It'll be – they'll chip away here and there. Maybe go every third possession with a score of some sort. But I say 40 to 20. Mm-hmm. All right. Next Friday night game, Air Force at UNLV. Who would have thought the 2-4 and four Air Force Falcons would be a road t- double-digit favorite? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's something anybody would have forecast going uh, into the year. Well, when you have Max Gilliam as your quarterback, anything's possible. And yeah, I guess so. Eight PM local time, or excuse me, eight PM Mountain time. That's for me. Seven Pacific out there at Sam Boyd. Uh, man, Air Force. Um, they might be a bowl team as well, even though they're two and four. I just think this UNLV team is bad, and. Air Force is not sure who their quarterback is going to be. As we mentioned in our recap, it's going to be maybe Sanders, um, Hammond. If he's, it's going to be Hammond if he's healthy, Donald Hammond III. If he's mm-hmm. healthy, he's clearly the guy, but that may not be the case. And, oh, you know what we didn't mention, Matt? Air Force announced their defensive coordinator. I know, I had heard that. I wish I had it in front of me, but they, they finally announced it. So is it because they're doing better in the past couple of weeks they want to announce it? <laughs> Well, I'm, I mean, or they just want to relieve mystery coordinator of his duties for some reason. Sure. The the ghost coordinator. Ghost coordinator. <laughs> All-time coordinator. Exactly. But they are fourth in, like, total defense. But, like, whoever's quarterback, if it's Aaron Worthman, Sanders, or uh, Hammond, that's – most teams, it's like, crap, who am I going to play quarterback? I have three guys. What My main guy, maybe he's not hurt or maybe not healthy. He's being banged up. I'd say whoever starts for Air Force typically throughout the year, out of these three guys, it's not that big of a difference for them. There are there are better with Hammond, it seems like, because he can throw a bit more. He keeps the ball more, whether that's by design or his skill set. Whoever they roll out versus UNLV, the offense will be fine. And that's a testament to what Air Force does on their offense for who they have and who's ready because all three guys have played significant time this year. So whoever plays... I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference either way, whether they're going to be that much better or that much worse. Yeah, I mean, I think this could be a pretty big game for Cole Fagan because we saw him step up and have a fairly productive game against the Aztecs last week. Obviously, he read, he led the team in rushing, but you know he also led the Falcons in success rate as well. So he was you know averaging 5.6 yards per carry, you know, and he was getting to the second level, I think, more often than either of us expected against the Aztecs front. And I think it's pretty safe to say that, you know, other than 
Roger Mann's early season production, you know, UNLV's front four is just not in the same caliber of defense as San Diego State's. So I think that there's a really big opportunity for them to just you know run between the tackles and and pound them up front again and again and again, and then you know use that to spring Caden Remsburg, who he's definitely shown a lot of big play capability. You know between those two guys, I wouldn't be surprised if they run for like a hundred and I don't know, hundred and seventy-five yards between them. Uh, let me ask you this, Matt: Is this a must-win game for the Rebels? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think that that's pretty clear. Can I can I just on that note though? Mm-hmm. Can I can I read you this phenomenal opinion letter that I that I saw from the Las Vegas Review Journal? Go for it. So I just all I did was run a, a Google News search for UNLV football, Careful. and the, the the title of this UNLV football is totally hopeless. Fact. So this was written by Joseph Manzo. I think it was just a letter to the editor or something like that. It says, in response to the Tuesday letter criticizing UNLV football coach Tony Sanchez, I've lived here for more than 20 years. UNLV football is not working no matter who they find to coach. Go to a lower, more competitive division or give it up completely. They cannot compete at this level. It's been proven year after year. So yeah, yeah, it's 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 a must win game for them. I mean... I really don't see how they're going to do it because the the offense has basically been DOA since Armani Rogers was shelved, and even their strength at running the football, you know, with Thomas and and Charles Williams and Xavier Campbell, they just haven't been the same. And Air Force's front seven, especially, has shown that they can slow run heavy offenses. We saw it against Navy. We saw it a little bit against. Uh, or excuse me, not not Navy Army, um, and so I just I don't I don't know how UNLV is going to be able to turn it around because obviously Air Force is a little bit shaky in some areas. I just don't know that UNLV has the weapons or the wherewithal to take advantage of that. They don't, and basically, specifically, what we've seen the past two weeks: Thomas yeah. hasn't played well. Jillian can't throw the ball to save his life, um, and. This team, it's Roger. It's sad to say, it's Rogers or bust because the defense isn't anything spectacular either. Even with um, like Rogers playing, he still had the offense still had to win games. For the defense, wasn't going to win games. USC, they had a few good plays here and there to make that game close at opener, but they used a trick play in that game to keep it around. But I think if they're going to, if Rebels are going to win, they need Thomas to have a huge game. And I just, I just don't think he's going to though. Why, I, why think they're, I think they're. I think they're going to stack the box and they're going to dare Jilliam to beat them down the field. And I, as far as what I've seen, especially last week against Utah State, I don't think he can do it. Because when he misses, he misses bad. Yes. Also, what will help? Oh, here's one thing that'll help. I don't think this game will be a blowout because the last two games, which were blowouts against UNLV, Thomas had six carries and twelve carries. They need to get him at least fifteen in this game, and. I know Thomas has been kind of beat up, like run, play better, run harder. He needs, I think he's a guy, he should be able to run up the tackles, but with Rodgers, I don't know. I know what they do offensively, but they don't always go on up the middle, behind the center, behind the guard. They'll do some outside runs, but he's a guy where if you're a running back, you got to be able to run up the middle. Take a typical handoff and go. Even if teams know it's coming, he should be good enough to get at least 75 yards. At least. And that's how, if they're going to win, they're going to need to have him do that, but I'm going Air Force to win. And the predictions really quick from ESPN's pick center here. 
Let me pull that up. Air Force 33 to 24 or 40 to 30. I'm probably going to lean toward a lower score, but to cover, I don't know. That's 10 points is a big amount for road favorite. I'm going to go 31. I'll go 31. Can I push, Matt? Is that allowed? <laughs> I'll, I'll allow it. Well, I don't want to be a pansy. I'll go 31-20 for Air Force. So S&P Plus has this, oddly enough, as basically a pick. They actually project UNLV 28.7, Air Force 28.6. Why do you think that is? <sighs> Hell if I know. <laughs> I don't have any faith in this UNLV offense at all. That's my point, too. Like, maybe 20 points might be asking a lot. This could be the weekend's most lopsided game. Oh! I'm going to go Air Force 35, UNLV 14. What are the odds this game's a shutout? 15%. (laughs) That's pretty high. (laughs) Okay, just wondering. Okay. All right, let's get to the next game here. Let's move on to Saturday's games. These games are all spread out for your convenience. Maybe not. Maybe you like to watch. Hey, no, this doesn't matter. It gives you a chance to watch Utah State. Well, I mean, to maybe watch Michigan, Michigan State on Fox if you want to at the same time. When that game. Why, why would anybody want to watch Michigan, Michigan State? Hey, if you're trapping up and it's close, why not? You know what? If you're going to do anything, just like keep an eye on UCF. When are they playing this oh, weekend? Let's find out. Let's pull it. We'll pull that up here in a moment. Um, but this game, I'll I'll go through that if you find the schedule here. I'll get this started here. Utah State at Wyoming. It is on AT&T Sportsnet, so always check your local listings how to stream the game or watch the game. Um, so it's AT&T, maybe Root Sports to the northwest part of the country. Here's another uh, double-digit road favorite. Just FYI, if I can interject for a mm-hmm. moment. So UCF at East Carolina, 1 p.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Mountain on ESPN2. Okay, keep an eye out for you, that, folks. You can watch the first five minutes of that while you know, ECU embarrasses themselves. No, it's not, it's not 2 o'clock. Oh, is it not? It oh. is 4 o'clock Pacific. Oh, they have them listed. At, I'm so used to them listing it for Eastern time for some reason. No, it's uh, 7 Eastern, and UCF is a heavy favorite. Okay, well, dis- disregard why I said then. That's okay. But yeah, let's let's go ahead and talk about our games. Still, keep an eye on that game. USF, Cincinnati, same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Just real quick, USF, uh, it's the uh, same time, two uh, or 4 Pacific. Essentially, you rolled through it. Cincinnati, are they off this week, I think? I think so, yeah. No, nope, there they go. They are. Ooh, they're the early game. They get to play Temple <laughs> on the road. Let's get back to our game. 14-point favorite for Utah State on the road. Wyoming's defense is good. I don't think they're that good. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not worried so much about the defense as I am about the offense. Can they score, which... na- can they score negative points? Is that possible? I don't know. <laughs> But I'll tell you this, they've gone two straight games now without an offensive touchdown. Oh, man. You want to talk about offenses I have zero faith in? Wyoming, number one? Wyoming, well, no, UNLV is number one, but Wyoming is, I don't know, 1A? Make them a tie, man. Do it. They have Nico Evans who's playing well, so there's that for them, obviously. I mean, that's great, but Nico Evans can't throw the football. No, and and Tyler Vanderwall, I mean, yeah, you could charitably say he's still a work in progress, but I mean, let's not beat around the bush. Tyler Vanderwall has been bad, mm-hmm. and you know, against FBS competition, you know, his passer rating on the season is only ninety five point zero six. Do you want to know how many touchdowns he has against FBS competition this year? Zero. 
one. Okay. One. He has one touchdown, two interceptions. You want to know how many times he's thrown the ball against FBS competition? Total? Yes. Um, how many, what, five games? Uh, six games. Six games. A hundred? 142. Oh, 142. Okay. He's thrown the ball 142 times against Mount against Mountain West competition and the like, and he has one touchdown. Should we be see be able to watch out for Nick Smith? Maybe it's not going to matter one way or the other. <laughs> That's harsh but true, right? I mean, it's I mean, it's not like he's being careless with the football or anything like that. You know, he still only has three interceptions on the season. It's just. You know what has he shown to make you think that this offense is going to do anything? Nothing. You know, like like I like I just said with with Air Force maybe stacking the box and daring him to beat them. You know, I would not be surprised to see Utah State do the same thing. And it's not like they've done a very good job of protecting him either. You know, his sack rate on the season is nearly ten percent. That's one hundred and fourteenth in the country. Then maybe that's something we haven't talked about a lot. And that's definitely something that the Aggies front seven is going to be licking their chops about because, you know, we have, we have, uh, you know, our, our newly crowned midseason defensive player of the year, David Woodward, he has four sacks. Mm-hmm. Tipa Galea has five and a half sacks. John Troll Rokemore has a couple sacks. So they've shown an ability to ta- attack from anywhere and, you know, win, win drives, create turnovers and this just strikes me as the kind of game where it could get ugly really fast because I don't think that Wyoming's going to be able to move the ball at all in this game. I think you're correct. They won't be able to do much at all because they are only averaging like 4.6 yards a play. Mm-hmm. That is third worst in the conference. They, I, I don't know because you just say it's defense good enough to slow down Nico Evans, but he's not going to be able to win them this game. If, if, if Wyoming's going to get the upset, they're going to have to do it defensively. Like Wingard, Logan Wilson, Carl Granderson get scores like they did a couple years ago. Pick sixes, fall board coverage for touchdowns, or get it, or get a turnover and be inside the red zone and just crush to fill fill the position. Fill sorry, not fill the position, fill position battle because they short fields because of that. Even that may not be enough. If they were to have good special teams and start on the heck, if if Wyoming were to have an average field position at Utah State's forty, they still would lose by two touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, the name of the game with with Utah State is just being efficient and spreading the ball around. And you know, for as good at, for as many stars as Wyoming has on defense, I just I don't know how they're going to keep up, especially since they haven't turned as many of those you know positive plays that they've had on the back end into turnovers. Like, do you realize where they rank in defensive back havoc rate so far this year for Wyoming or Utah State? Wyoming. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. I haven't been following that portion too closely. Are they good or bad? It's 127th. Out of one. Out I, of 130. I guess Liberty. St- what a question for you. Not to go off track. It, How come CBS always puts one to 129? Do they not count Liberty? I have no idea. I didn't even realize that was a thing. I noticed the other day because I think Chip Patterson or Barrett Sales, they put like one to 129. I'm like, I thought there's 130. Sorry, continue. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I was just going to say, you know, that is a figure that you don't expect from, especially with what that secondary has been able to do the last couple of years. And it's really kind of dragged the whole rate of the team down. So, I mean, we haven't really seen Jordan Love be too careless with the ball one. And while they do have the pieces up front to be able to you know, maybe put some pressure on him. That's still a big if because, oh, by the way, I think we've talked about this every week in the last three previews. 
But Utah State's still been really good at keeping him upright. And so, you know, yeah, maybe if they can get some pressure and force him into mistakes, they can have a chance. But he's basically been mistake-free for about a month now. And I don't know if I see much of a reason to to see that change. All right, let's get our score predictions here because we got to blast through these games. Um, really quick, let's do our typical, hey, where does these advanced numbers have the teams at? So Utah State, 14-point favorite. S and I people it's such your job. Number five, thirty to fifteen. Team rankings thirty three to nineteen. Yeah, S P plus has it uh Utah State thirty seven, Wyoming twenty. They think Wyoming to score twenty points? I mean, maybe they do. I don't. <laughs> could this be the first shutout 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 of the year? It could be pretty close. Well, if, if, what's the better odds? UNLV being shut out or Wyoming being shut out? I think it's probably Wyoming. Yeah, because Utah State has a better defense. So what do you think? I'm going to go... Hmm. Remember, Utah State's number two in the country in scoring offense. Mm-hmm. Only Alabama scores more points than per game. 40 to three. I thought, I, don't, I thought my projection was going to be high. What, is your, what was yours again? Or did you not say it yet? I hadn't said no, it just what, yet. What is it? By the way, here's a fun fact. Do you realize that Utah State is 6-0 and against the spread this year? Make it 7-0, man. Come on. Hey, I mean, go buy a Powerball could... ticket. You can win $900 million this weekend and put random Utah, put your favorite Utah State players as the numbers. I mean, I'm with you. <laughs> they really they really could not make this line high enough for me. <laughs> Utah State 42, Wyoming 6. Oh, jeez. All right. Whew. That it's, we'll see. Wyoming's defense, I think they just won't be able to hold their own. Also, show me some. Show me something, Pokes. Prove me wrong. Also, watch like twenty-one points off of like pick six or something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's take a, a quick timeout. They'll wrap this bad boy up. All right. Hope you had time to get a soda, a refreshment during that timeout there. Fresno State at New Mexico. Next game, another double-digit home dog. Jeez. Eight or not 8.30, excuse me, 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time out there in Albuquerque, 4.30 Pacific. Get yourself some green chili in the land of enchantment as Fresno State is a 12.5 point favorite. So what about that line? Is that too high, too low, just right? I'd probably be comfortable being a 15 or 16. So so why is that? Um, put me on the spot there. I would say... Um, because Fresno State's really good. Their defense, like I said, is best in the conference. They're giving up like 12 points a game. While New Mexico can throw a bit more with uh, Jones back there, The we'll give it to him, the hashtag throwbos going forward. I just don't think New Mexico is going to um, be able to score enough points. And their defense is, it's not, it's lame to say, oh, it's just New Mexico's defense. But when you look at what they, what they do throughout the uh, past couple of games and this year, they're near the bottom in like yards for play as well. And Fresno State, they maybe this will be a game for like a Jordan Mims or a running back to have a huge game. So I just think it plays against anything New Mexico does well. I mean, I think that you're right, if only because I think Fresno State's biggest strengths, especially on defense, align pretty well with New Mexico's biggest weaknesses on offense. And by that, I mostly mean looking at New Mexico's run game, which has been... Ah, I mean, it, it isn't what it was. And, you know, that's maybe part of the trade-off with having become a lot more successful throwing the football. Mm-hmm. 
But I look at you know, Tyrone Owens and Amari Davis, and obviously Owens has gotten a tremendous amount of work this year, but he hasn't been nearly as good as he was one or two years ago. You know, he's only averaging 3.8 yards per carry, and, and by highlight yards per opportunity, which is basically just how many yards are you getting after the offensive line does its job for the first five yards, he's only averaging 3.3 in those chances as well. So when you consider that, you know, the running game has been you know, pretty lackluster, you know, by opportunity rate, just as a team, they rank 111th in the nation, the, uh, excuse me, the nation, and they rank 110th in stop rate, which is just you know, percentage of plays stopped at or behind the line. When you compare that to what Fresno State's been able to do up front on defense, on those two categories, they rank, uh, they rank 32nd. Actually, interestingly, they're not, they're not quite as high in stop rate as you might expect them to be for as good as they've been all around. So maybe if they can get some push up front, New Mexico might have a chance. But I still think that's kind of a big if. When you look at what they've done the past couple of weeks, if you can't run against Colorado State, who can you run against? That's true. Last week, 3.83 yards per carry, no touchdowns. I mean, I just think it's it's a situation where if they take away New Mexico's run game, I think they're more than happy to say, okay, sure, on Jones, try and beat us. He might for a couple plays, but not consistently enough. I don't, I mean, I really don't think so. I think he throws, well, I think overall you're right, but I'm not saying that he'll be completely shut down. Like, I think he'll be a, maybe, a, like, when I mean a couple plays, like maybe you have three to four plays that are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like, if he, if they make him pass a lot, what's to say he won't go like two for two, or not two, like 10 for 22 or something? I mean, I think that's a good point. Like, he might have a few plays. Like, on the air, he had, while well, he is just over almost 60%, he had games like, look what he throws, like 9 of 16 versus Wisconsin, 12 of 19, stuff like that where he's just above that. His completion rate's fine, but he completes 12 passes for just 170 yards last week for CSU. Versus New Mexico State, under 7 yards. It's like he won't have, like, a 15-plus yard yards per attempt, which would be pretty good. Like, he's not going to show up versus Liberty. Even versus Liberty, who's barely over 50%. Mm-hmm. And this is by far, well, I don't know. Wisconsin is going to be the next comparable defense on the schedule. He had two picks in that game. He threw three picks versus Liberty. He has gone, give him credit, past two games, six touchdowns, no picks. Mm-hmm. But if he's forced to throw exclusively or 65% of the time, Fresno's defense is going to find a way to either sack him or incomplete passes or pick the ball off. So... He'll like say so he may have a couple plays, but he's not going to be amazing if they force him to throw. If Owens can't move the ball, which what we've seen all year, they're not what they used to be. Even though they are throwing more, they're just a team that they run a unique offense that runs the ball a bit, but it's just not. They, like I said, the explosive plays aren't there, which is what made them really good a couple years ago. See, I'm really interested in seeing how aggressive the Lobos choose to be in passing down situations or especially basically in third and long situations because on the year they've actually been pretty good at least relative to the national average as far as converting on those in those situations and just on the whole you know no matter what kind of third down Fresno State's faced they're basically one of the best teams in the country in that regard so I'm, I'm interested to see, like, if it's, like, third and nine or third and ten. We've seen New Mexico create a lot of big plays through the air. Like we, We've seen Jones throw some ropes and, and surprise us here and there. 
but I'm, I'm interested to see if they choose to kind of play so cavalier when it's in those more obvious passing situations or if they try to play it more conservatively and rely on their special teams to try to win the field position advantage because you know, we we've kind of seen it both ways where you mentioned you know we've seen them throw some turnovers we've seen them create some big plays so i'm i'm almost wondering how much they hedge their bets or how much they just decide to go for it to try to upset a, a team that you know, on both sides of the ball definitely has a talent advantage. I just thought of this right now as you're going through that. That's a good point. Be aggressive because what are you going to lose? You're not going to a bowl game, I don't think. You Bob Davies' coach hot seat is uh, on fire, even though they've played recently better the past couple weeks. They're sitting at 3-3, three and three, so they still have a lot to play for. So that's a good point. I was going to think the other way because Fresno State's like, would you characterize her rushing offense as just okay this year? It's more or less the same as it was last year. It was fine last year, and I'd say it's mostly fine. It's not it's not one of the better rushing attacks in the conference, you'd say, right? They're No, it's no. not. They are – actually, it's a little bit worse than I thought it was. I apologize. apologize. They are 3.7 yards per carry on the ground, which is not good, near the bottom of the conference. However, 16 touchdowns. But my point to bring that up is why wouldn't um, – New Mexico, like to be aggressive, why not be aggressive against the pass and allow Fresno State to maybe get more yards on the ground than make McMurray beat them? I think they'd rather, like, they'd be fine and say, okay, Fresno has their best running game of the year against us, but McMurray only throws for like 185. It, but I'm not saying that's a possibility, but like, maybe that should be, I think that could be a line of thinking, but that's hard to, it's because McMurray's 71%, two picks, 11 touchdowns. Um, yeah. So why not make them once you just sell out to beat the defeat the pass, whether it be all out blitzing or dropping like eight on more more often than not, and say see, hey beat me on the ground. I wonder if that could be a way to get in there. See that's the thing though is that I think Fresno State would be more than happy to nickel and dime New Mexico to death. Mm-hmm. You know with you know crossing patterns to you know Jameer Jordan for instance, or just you know throwing up the seam to Jared Rice. You know getting those athletes in space and really saying okay go get as many yards as you can after the catch so i don't know that there's a a really a really good way one way or the other for the lobos to play it because i think if they sell out to stop the pass you know first they could kill them with screens or, or they, they could can kill them with run. tight ends or something like and that it's yeah it's not like the running backs are bad it's just it hasn't been their cup of tea this year yeah exactly so what's your um oh what's the s&p plus say on this one uh, S and P Plus has this one at. Sorry, taps. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, Fresno State thirty six, New Mexico twenty one. That's all the points for New Mexico. You think? Uh, no, no. If I'm being honest, that's a touchdown more than the average points given up for Fresno State. They're giving up like twelve and a half or thirteen. I mean, I, I think the score is going to be lower on both sides. I'm kind of thinking – I'm going to say Fresno State 27, New Mexico 13. Okay. So I would take Fresno uh, as the favorite and give up those points. All right. So really quick, team rankings 33 to 20, 33-16 number fire. I think – I'm gonna I'm more in line with these guys. I think it might be like – I'm going to go 35-10 for Fresno State. All right. I think they'll get it done, and they'll want to 
here's part of the reason I'm thinking. They've been in a couple of games where it's been a bit closer than I thought early on, like the Wyoming game. They're down 3-0. Took a while to get going. I think they're going to, for some reason, I they want to get out to a fast start. And that right. way maybe like 21-3 early on and then in the first half they maybe score two touchdowns the rest of the way or something. Mm. All right, so next game, San Jose State at San Diego State. CBS Sports Network, 730 Pacific. Again, the home of CBS Sports is San Diego State Aztecs football. <laughs> um, this line concerns me. 28 Why is po- that? It's 28 points. Interesting. That's a lot of points for A, Aztec team playing with backups, B, an Aztec team that hasn't scored a lot of points a couple weeks ago, and C, San Jose State's offense, well, last week notwithstanding, has been playing a little bit better. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't know that the Spartans have faced a defense of this caliber sure. so far this year. And we just saw them turn the ball over four times to a maybe, I would say, good but not great Army defense. You know, we saw them get blanked by Washington State. We saw them kind of shoot themselves in the foot here and there against Colorado State. So I I mean, I think when you start talking about this game, you have to figure out, okay, well, is San Jose State going to rebound on offense? And to me, the big question, at least for this week, is I'm not sure. And that's mostly a testament to how good San Diego State's defense has been, that they've been able to, you know, take advantage of, of offenses that have been erratic. And if there's, if there's one word to describe San Jose State's offense, it's just that, erratic. Only one word? That's like, I got it. bad, not good. That's two words, but <laughs> inept. Mm. Um, also, we don't know who the quarterback is because it's still an or situation between Love and, and um, Aaron. That's true. So... The 28 points is what concerns me. Here's the thing. This is going to be a big game for all the running backs for San Diego State. I think this is going to be kind of a breakout-ish game for the offense to score some more points because this defense, did you know, Matt, do you know what San Jose State gives up per per play on rushing? Uh, not off the top of my head. You want to take a guess? It's probably like five and a half yards per carry. They, um, oh, sounds good. Uh, I thought it was worse. I, I was looking at the wrong. I think it a different number. Four point one two, still not good. Um, that blew what I was going to ask about. I think I was going. Through, <laughs> I think I was looking at the rushing offense, which is like super bad. So I apologize, but it's still not good. I think. Yeah, I was looking at the rushing offense. Um, oh yeah. Well, that's not good either for the Spartans. One point five nine. Could this be a game? Aztecs hold them to negative yards, not including sack yardage. Like true negative rushing yards on the day. I would no, no, I don't think so. Washington State held San Jose State to nine rushing yards. I don't. That doesn't include sack. That doesn't include sack yardage though. But let's put it this way: I would not be surprised if San Jose State averaged under two yards per carry again. So right, lockstep with what they normally do. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I would go one step further. They'll average fewer than one yard per rushing play. That's bold. That's hey, one point five nine. I'm getting there. Um, I think Ryan Agnew's gonna have a big game. Here's the thing. Um, there's a certain somebody who thinks this could be an upset. Sorry, buddy, it's not gonna be an upset. So I'm going to go San Diego State. They're gonna shut out the Spartans. 
I'm going to call – am I calling for two shutouts this week? Uh, I think you've been asking about shutout opportunities. I don't know that you've actually called one yet. Did I, didn't I say one? I'm going to shut out? I, no, I think you gave them three points. Goal? Did I say – no, I didn't say – I asked you about shutouts. I am talking about shutouts. Maybe this is going to happen. I'm going to call a shutout for this game. The line is 28 exactly. Crap. That's annoying. <laughs> Uh, I'll go 31-0. I'll do it. I can't shake the feeling this is going to be a really boring game somehow. 10-0? <laughs> no, not not that. Just, you know, a lot of a lot of watching the San Jose State offense really struggle and then the San Diego State offense be kind of hit or miss throughout the game. So I'm going to take I'm going to take the points. Joy- I'm going to take Okay. Because what is it? Plus 28? 28. Plus 28. No, well, minus 28. It's at home. So, yeah. But still. Four so touchdowns. I'm, four. So, I'm going to say San Diego State 34, San Jose State 10. That's Okay. So, you think they'll cover? Which is actually pretty close to what S&P Plus has. They have it 35 to 10. Really quick. Team rankings 35-7. Number fire 38-13. But I'm calling. I'm going for shutout this week. I want a shutout. But it's going to be the most boring 34-10 to 10 game you've ever seen in your life. But still, keep an eye on this game. You never know, right? All right. You never know. Final game of the day. Nevada. This is the this is the projected closest match of Nevada at Hawaii. It is at the late, late tip. So, or kick, excuse me. Nine Pacific. Um, six out there in Hawaii. Watch stadium app only on the mainland. Spectrum pay-per-view out there in other islands. I guess also, is it also being aired locally on Nevada Airways? I thought I saw Nevada Sportsnet. Is that a TV station? I thought it was a website. I, you know what? I'm actually not sure. <laughs> I do know um, it's done by the um, Sinclair Group. <laughs> Excuse me, those guys. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, Chris Murray used to be at the Reno Gazette Journal covers, does the same stuff there, which I just happened to find. They do video stuff all the time, but I don't know if it's a TV channel. But it says it's going to be on their airways, I thought. So is that streaming only or? Yeah, I'm not sure. We'll find out. We'll ask them later. But regardless, hey, just go download the Watch Stadium app, right? Yes. To get on your phone and then bypass your Chromecast or Apple TV to cast your screen because it does not allow you to do the little icon to put up on your TV screen. So work around, Matt, if you want to wear, cast your screen and then open the app. Interesting. So, like, so it's like you can use your phone on your screen, TV screen, and then you just, oh, I'm happy to watch the watch stadium map on there. So there's that. It's also a three-point line, which I think that's not enough. It should be more points. You think so? Yeah, I think so. With I know here's the thing. The, the BYU game wasn't great for Hawaii. However, I'd say they're at home, which is a big deal. Nevada, I think, is one only one time ever in the islands, which was a couple years ago. I don't even think Colin Kaepernick beat him in at Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I, I, maybe I might be wrong, but I'm not, I don't think so. So they play a, a defense that's not as good, and they're at home, and I think that's what's going to be the difference. And McDonald, I don't know if he is hurt or sick or not super healthy after missing one game because he looked okay. But I think it should be like – I think Hawaii could win this one by about a touchdown, even though Nevada has shown to be a bit better. But one thing I do know, Matt, there's going to be a lot of points in this game, a lot of points. There's a lot at stake in this game. You know, not only for Hawaii to be able to stay out in front in the West Division. First place but, Hawaii Warriors. But I would also make the argument that 
you know, with with the schedule ahead of them, Nevada still has a chance to make an impact in the West Division race. And it's going to start with this game because they have this game, they have Fresno, they have San Diego State on the horizon, and they're only one and two in the division. So they're not out of it just yet. And if they can claw their way to 500, that's going to be a big deal. So for me, it starts with, you know, can the offense, you know, finally find their way back to 100%? Because they were, I don't know, uneven last week against Boise State. They didn't fully take advantage of all the opportunities that they had to win that game. And, you know, uh, coming off of a performance uh, a couple weeks ago, actually, I should correct myself because they lost to Fresno State a couple weeks ago. But, you know, with Ganji, assuming that he's back to 100% and assuming that, you know, they can get the running game going against a, a defense that's been a little bit suspect, especially recently, you know, Nevada's got a huge opportunity to kind of show what they were doing, especially early in non-conference play, you know, where they kind of lit it up against Oregon State early in that game and lit it up against Toledo. Hmm. You think that's going to be the case then? I mean, I think so. And I also think that they have an advantage up front too because we've seen Hawaii struggle on offense, you know, especially in the last few weeks. Through the air, they just haven't been quite the same as they were. And they definitely weren't last week against BYU. You know, Cole McDonald was you know, perfectly okay on standard downs. He was, uh, you know, 14 of 18, 133 yards in those situations, but he took three sacks. And Watch out, Malik Reed. Here it comes. And in, in the more obvious passing down situations, he was only two of eight. And I think that you know, if I'm looking for something to change in the offense, it's going to be that because that's something that had been a strength of theirs coming into last week's game against BYU. They're, they're still 10th as far as marginal explosiveness on passing downs. They're still, you know, above average and marginal efficiency so that's still a strength of theirs but that's still kind of a huge if especially when you consider that nevada's defense has really stepped up recently yeah you got guys like uh brent or was it berto robbins six pass defense and baber had two picks in the game recently and if you look at reed where that's what we saw with mcdonald army did it um byu did it get to mcdonald pressure him hit him sack him it affects any quarterback clearly because you're getting pressured but mm-hmm. that pressure can happen and will happen. That's how Nevada will able to slow down this uh, this Hawaii attack. And also, um, Hawaii Rolovich is aggressive. For, they'll go for it on fourth down. And so typically they're pretty good about where they go for it. Like in the BYU game, they went just past midfield. I think the 42-yard line. So, well, let's go for it. Kicking could be only a net gain of like 22-yard or net whatever 22-yard gain to mm-hmm. flip, flip the field if you bad pawn or something. Field goal a bit too long, so they're they're selective when they do it, but they do it quite a bit. And mm-hmm. so if Nevada can stop those drives and turn those into points and turnover on downs, because why? What do they do? Go for it at least two times a game, I'd say on fourth down, just about. Yeah, I think so. That sounds about right. Stop those. Stop those half the time or even every time. That could swing the game quite a bit for Nevada's favor and Nevada's offense. Remember, this Hawaii's defense isn't very good. Like Ty Ganji could have a huge game. Like. Is there an over/under set on this one? Let me double check. Yeah, it's only it's only sixty-six and a half. They're gonna blow past that. <laughs> like they they should have set it at like seventy-two. So, what do you think is gonna happen? 
Man, number really quick, number fire. Doesn't predict predict the tie, but the closest you can get. 32.3 to 32.2 in favor of Hawaii. That's interesting because S&P Plus has something very similar. They have Hawaii 33.1, Nevada 32.9. Interesting. And team rankings is a little bit more favorable to the Warriors, 36.8 to 33.6. I think think it's going to be whoever gets 40 is going to win this game. So who do you think it's going to be? I think it's going to be Hawaii 40, Nevada 35. I think Nevada is going to... I think Nevada's going to win pretty big. What? And maybe, I don't know, I haven't done a stupid upset pick in a while. Should I just do it? Go for it. Nevada 38, Hawaii 24. Okay. That's that's bold. It is bold. It's fairly bold. Also, for those wondering, I did find out if you're in the Reno area, it has been picked up by NSN, Nevada Sportsnet, which is a part of... Oh, hold on, let me close this pop-up pad really quick so I can tell you. Lovely. N- nice timing there, whatever you were. Um, I guess it's like the – do you have like the My TV channels out there in Fresno? Yes. It's something similar to that, like the alternate feed to some CBS, Fox, ABC, NBC affiliate. It'll be on – yeah, it's on just over-the-air channel on Nevada Sports Networks. So whatever channel that is, you can hear Robert Kikalula live on your on your TV. All right. So you are blessed, Reno fans. <laughs> It is um, really over the year 21, if you're wondering. So that's where it's at. Cool. So anything else we'd add? Because we actually did this show in a reasonable time to help you out. Yeah, I think uh, I think we're all set. All right, check out our picks. Check out um, our schedules. Check out our midseason stuff. Listen to that podcast if you happen to miss it. It was pretty good talking about the midway point. MWWire.com is our website. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, tune in. Um, basically, anywhere you can find good podcasts, tell a friend review it and say, Hey, these guys sort of know what they're doing and they're entertaining, entertaining half the time. So, and I'll give you that entertainment part, Matt. I am not the entertainment part. I'd say sometimes, <laughs> or, or when I fake yell, Colorado State's going to be Boise State at the top of the show. No, that's a, just me. That's just mean. That was a good, that was a good laugh. People thought I was going a different direction like you, right? Well, well, we don't know that yet. We don't know. Cause it is only Thursday. So, all right, folks, we'll see you next time. Um, probably Sunday afternoon. Oh, real quick. Check out some basketball podcasts as well. Eli was out in the media days for us, so look for some articles on that. He has a, another one coming up on Paul Weir. as one of Justin James at the moment. And we'll probably get back to our preseason podcast for Hoops over there. So until next time, folks, we'll see you.